0: Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take your words of Holy Scripture and make them living words to us. We do indeed long to see you and have our lives shaped by your Spirit. Speak to us now, deep within, as only you, God, can as we ponder together your manifold wisdom and the great mystery of your grace. For Jesus' sake, amen. Gordon MacDonald, a well-known pastor, wrote these words. You need not be a Christian to build houses, feed the hungry, or heal the sick. There is only one thing that the world cannot do. It cannot offer grace. Grace is the church's single most important contribution. Grace. We continue our series through Paul's letter to the saints in Ephesus, a letter that points us to the amazing grace of the living God. Paul desires that we know God's grace and peace, that we remember that we were once dead in our sin, but God has saved us by grace through faith. And this morning we'll be looking at the mission of grace. What is it that God desires to accomplish by his coming to us in Jesus Christ? It is God's gift of reconciliation in and through Christ to make us right with God and with one another. As Paul wrote in chapter 1, it is God's plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God is the God who wants to be known in order to reconcile and redeem humanity and the rest of creation. God chose to reveal himself to humanity and as as an expression of his inexhaustible love. It is his desire to reveal this grace. This is God's mystery to be revealed, and it is to be made known through the church. Our passage this morning is a bit awkward in contextual nature. I don't know if you picked it up when you're reading it on the screen. Paul begins, he says, for this reason, making reference to what he had written about in chapter two. And then the remainder of the passage is is a digression into an important aside. And then he picks back up in his original thought in verse 14, starting again with for this reason. Surely we've all had conversations like this. We'll be making a point, talking to someone, and then we begin to go down a rabbit trail. I'm known for this. (laughs) I will be perhaps having a conversation with one of you or answering someone's question. And somehow I manage to always get sidetracked and begin talking about my exuberance for the Trinity and sharing the latest insight from my thesis project. Because for me, God is all about the Trinity. In similar form, Paul has been speaking in chapter 2 of God's creating in himself one new humanity, Jew and Gentile together in Christ. No insiders and no outsiders. Everybody gets a fresh start together in Christ. All have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For that reason, And Paul will later pray for that reason. He prays for them to grasp this mystery. But Paul himself becomes so overwhelmed at trying to communicate this, at pondering and proclaiming this reality of grace, of the mystery and goodness of God, that God would do this work of reconciliation, and that God would choose and equip Paul, the very least of the saints, the one least expected, the prosecutor-turned-proclaimer that God would use him. And so Paul starts telling his story. He points to his own autobiography to support the mystery of God's grace at work. If you reread chapters 1 and 2 that we've been studying, up to this point in this Ephesian letter, Paul has pretty much left himself out of his theology of grace. It's been all about God, as it should be, and what God has done in Christ. But now, Paul is entering his own story into God's story. He speaks of the mystery made known to him, whom God has now equipped through his spirit to share among the Gentiles, those outside of his comfort zone. Let me ask you this morning, When you're attempting to share the good news of God's grace with another, perhaps an outsider, isn't it when you share it personally from your own life experience that it has the most profound impact? What is more compelling, a pamphlet with the four spiritual laws written out or a personal testimony of how God revealed himself to you and altered the course of your life. God desires to use your story and your encounter with God's grace to draw others to himself. A living relationship with God is not something to be kept, but something to be shared. Each one of our stories are part of God's redemptive story, But what God is doing in Christ for all creation. Paul speaks of the mystery of this grace. Three times written and the fourth time inferred in these 13 verses is the word mystery used. It is indeed a mystery that the creator God of this world would come to us as a baby in the flesh. It's a mystery that God would extend his promise to those outside of his chosen people. It's a mystery that the Son of God would win by losing, would gain everything by giving it all away, that his strength was found in weakness, and that his death ultimately brought new life. It's counterintuitive. It's a mystery. But it's not a mystery, perhaps, as we understand mystery. It's not a puzzle to be solved or a concept to be explained. Of all people, Paul was one of the most educated Jews of his day. He was gifted in explaining everything. But that's not what Paul does. Rather, he invites us to live into the mystery of God's grace. Paul says this mystery of grace, of reconciliation with God, was a gift. It was a gift that was given. It was a gift that God has made known, that God has revealed. All passive verbs. This is God's work, not Paul's and not ours. This mystery is not our reaching out to God to try and understand him, but it is God reaching out to us in Jesus Christ. It's a mystery not to be resolved, but it's a reality to be received. Receiving is sometimes hard for us. A couple of weeks ago, Parks and I were playing golf on a beautiful Friday afternoon in Asheville. I hit a great drive, followed by a great second shot, I'm not bragging, that landed on the green. Which I might add is pretty rare for me to be on in two. I putted right up close to the cup, and Park said, He looked at me and he said, That's a gimme. You can have it. Great par. Well, competitor that I am, <laughs> you guessed it, I went ahead and putted. And guess what? I missed the foot long putt. Scorecard time. Parks says, put down par, Leslie. Leslie says, but I actually didn't make it. Parks says, but I gave it to you, Leslie. God gave us his grace. Receiving, as I have said, is sometimes hard for people. The mystery of God's grace is to be received and celebrated living a life out in the gratitude that Scott was talking about for the incredible generosity of God. God has done something for you and for me and for this whole broken world that he loves so very much that we could not do for ourselves. He has given us the gift of reconciliation with himself and with one another in Jesus Christ. This was his plan from the beginning of time. And then Paul tells us that God chose the church to be the vessel to embody and to communicate this gift of grace. He writes to bring light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known even among the rulers and the angels. Friends, did you hear that? God has chosen the church. That is you and that is me to express this mystery of grace that somehow through us and our brothers and sisters of faith all across the world, the manifold wisdom Manifold there meaning rich in variation and diversity. That this wisdom of the uniting, unifying, reconciling love of God be made known. This is a humbling and overwhelming mission. But this, my friends, is God's intention from the very beginning. In Genesis, God made a covenant with Abraham that all the families of the earth will be blessed. A thousand years later, the prophet Isaiah said, all nations will stream to the house of the Lord and that God's people will be a light for the nations. Earlier, Paul reminds us that it is God's creation, the church, using the same verb that that scripture uses when God created the world. He tells us that in Christ, the church is being built together into a dwelling place for God. Have you ever thought about it, that what we're doing on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and through the week, have you ever thought about it in those terms? That God is building us into be a dwelling place for himself? It's so very beautiful, so expansive, that we are being recreated to be a dwelling place for God. You see, the church is not something that we create. It's not something that we build. It's not something that we control. It's something that we get to be a part of. If we let Paul form our understanding of church, we recognize that it is the activity of God who is accomplishing this building. We receive church as the gift of Christ as he embodies himself in the world. He is the head of the body, and that body is the church. The head and the body are connected. And Paul wants us to understand and participate in the living Christ here among us this day and every day. Acknowledging that we're the body of Christ, we also acknowledge that we're the broken body, for there, friends, I don't have to tell you, there is no perfect church. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are broken by our sins, the barriers and the walls that we build, the attitudes that we foster. Jews, perhaps, in Paul's day, touted God's partiality because of their history of their covenant relationship with God. But Paul says that's not the case now. Because of God's work in Christ, there is no more us and them. There is no more us and them. And how can that be? Because by the blood of Christ, he has brought all people near. Friends, sometimes it's so much easier to be an us and them church. Hear these words. God is building us together in Christ to be that dwelling place. Westminster is a place where we invite people to life in Christ, lived together for the sake of others. If we believe that the church is the body of Christ and if we acknowledge that it's the broken body of Christ, we also affirm that Christ has been raised from the dead and that God, by his Spirit, is recreating us into be one new man, one whole and reconciled body. I remember from my Seminary Presbyterian Polity course this line, The church is the provisional demonstration of what God intends for all humanity. The church is the provisional demonstration of what God intends for all humanity. This is God's mission of grace, to break down the walls, to reconcile his creation to himself, and to one another. Many things challenge the church today. Pandemics, natural disasters, poverty, racism, political and social strife. We often feel overwhelmed. But friends, God has chosen the church. He's chosen you and he's chosen me to reveal his power in the spirit and his love to the world. It is God's plan for us to be part of something much greater than ourselves. Many of us watched, I think many of us, watched the Ryder Cup last weekend. We watched as former competing opponents teamed together for a common purpose. When golfer Roy McIlroy gave a closing tearful interview, he said he never cried like this before. He said his tears were because he knew he was part of a bigger purpose than that of winning an individual event. Then the commentator came on and said, that is the plan and the purpose of the Ryder Cup, to play for something much greater than themselves. Friends, as we embody the grace of God as his church, we are part of a bigger plan and purpose. That is God's desire, that in and through Jesus Christ and the church, the world would be reconciled to him. This might be easy to affirm and believe, but perhaps much harder to embody and to live. Sunday morning worship, as we know, is one of the most segregated hours of the week. Churches continually split into one denomination and another. People get angry and hurt and leave the church over the style of music or the color of the carpet. It seems more like things are falling apart rather than being brought together. But we must trust these words of Holy Scripture. God is uniting all things in Christ. We must look for and participate in those places. And often there is a cost, a sacrifice for that work of reconciliation. That was certainly the story of Jesus, and so it was with Paul. The first verse and the last verse of our passage today, Paul speaks of his imprisonment and his suffering. Paul is writing this letter from prison, most likely in Rome. His being in prison was a huge discouragement to his friends. Yet even amidst his sufferings, Paul is saying that this is all according to God's plan. He says, don't lose heart over my sufferings. He writes that it was by God's grace that I, Paul, was given this task. In other words, God's got this. And What about your own story? Can we, like Paul, in the midst of hard times, and the suffering of our own stories, when we feel like things are falling apart, can we still speak and embody God's grace to the glory of God? That's the church. Friends, Claudia Peasley knew that that was her church. As Sunday after Sunday, she gave and graced in a unique way that only Claudia could. Claudia understands even more fully now that we are called and recreated to be God's grace. The ministry of reconciliation in Jesus Christ is to be lived and to be shared. Are you aware that 81% of Christians in the United States say that they can be a good Christian and not be a part of a church. Friends, that's not God's way. There is something mysterious that happens when we gather together and when we submit to God's plan, where we are one beggar at the table telling another where to find bread. It is in Christ that we find peace with one another. When I discovered that I would be preaching this Sunday as Owen set the sermon series. He entitled this sermon, The Mission of Grace. I'm embarrassed to say that what first came to my mind was one of my favorite TV shows, Mission Impossible. (laughs) Some of you may remember that it begins with the assignment of a mission on a tape player in a secluded place to a particular secret agent. And then these words your mission, should you decide to accept it. Friends, we have been given a mission by God, and we need to accept it, to proclaim the generosity of God in Christ, to declare God's desire to make us right with him, to transform us and recreate us, to be who we have been created to be. People created more and more into the image Of Jesus Christ, who in himself is the very embodiment and fulfillment of grace. The church became the church by God coming in the flesh in Jesus Christ. The church remains the church by embodying and communicating for the whole world this mystery of a love that knows no ending. I want to close with Paul's words, starting at verse 14, what he had intended, perhaps, to write from 13 on, or I guess, yeah, from, from 1 on, for this reason. For this reason, let us pray. For this reason, I, Paul, bow on my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen and amen.